five or six years older than everybody else. Uh, also, everybody, I won't say everybody else, but probably 90% of the people were, uh, were in full-time ministry. And so you had like youth ministers, you had music ministers, uh, you had guys who had their first church, maybe it was a small country church. And then you had me, who was the full-time landscape designer. And so it was a, it was a little odd. And, uh, and so it would always go like this. You know, with the, the professor would always, you know, the first day of class would always go around and everybody would share what they do. And I was always kind of the, the odd man out. And uh, as it got closer to graduation, I'd have people come to me and say, okay, you're fixing to graduate. Where are you going to go preach at? And I was thinking, well, I don't know. Do you know? Because God hadn't told me yet. I, I don't even know if I'm going to preach, you know? And so it was, the, it was kind of those two things that, that just kind of made me think, man, God, where, what's my ministry? You know, where, where am I going to be full-time paid vocational ministry at? Um, and so I, sometimes I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'd have a little pity party. Because I'd be like, oh, everybody else has kind of got their things planned out. And the last word I got from you, God, was go to seminary. So it was kind of in the midst of my little pity party that God kind of laid two things on my heart. And, and we'll talk about the second one mostly. But the first thing is, listen to this, guys. If you are a Jesus follower, you are a full-time minister, right? Amen? We've been called into the ministry of Jesus Christ simply by by placing our faith in him. So he got my attention there. He said, Jeremy, you're, you're in full-time ministry. If you belong to me, you're in full-time ministry. So let's zip that. And then the second thing is, what, which is what we're going to talk about today, is he said, Jeremy, your ministry is your words. Your ministry is your words. Everybody, and that's the principle I want to talk about, everybody in here today You're in full-time ministry, and you need to make your ministry your words, okay? We can all encourage. If you look in your bulletin today, I love little handy-dandy postcard handouts because they help my forgetful mind remember things. If you have a bulletin, I've got this in it. And so this is kind of the format that we're going to follow today. I want us to ask this question, are my words my ministry? And then we're going to look at three people today that are more than likely in our church today, people that we come in contact with, there's three people that we need to be looking out for today. It's those that are happy, those that are hurting, and those that are helping, okay? I learned how to make three things that start with H in seminary, so you're welcome. Now, I did that to make it more memorable because I, I, if you'll take this, guys, if you'll take this card, and hopefully I will inspire you today to do this, but if you'll take this card and just put it where you do your quiet time, guys, for, for those of you who are a little more tech savvy, you can take a picture of this with your phone and put it on the cover of your, of your phone, and that way you look at, okay, happy, hurting, helping, Let me start looking. You can take a picture of this if you're really good, and you can assign this to a contact in your phone that you're wanting to remember to encourage. Just a little tip. Just a little tip. Okay, so we're going to look at making our words our ministry. 
And then we're going to look in, at, for three people. And I figure this, what better person to get a picture of what it looks like to encourage than Barnabas? So I don't know if you know this, Barnabas' real name was Joseph. Okay? But he was so good at encouraging that his buddies changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So I don't know if, you, if you've ever been so good at something that actually somebody changed your name, but that's how good Barnabas was at encouraging. All right, so we're going to look at his life, his ministry, and hopefully we can glean a little bit. And what's cool is I managed to find, it's kind of cool when you look in the Bible, he helped three people, or three different groups of people, and they were people who were happy, people who were hurting, and people who were helping. All right, let's start with the first one. We're going to be in the book of Acts. All right, Acts chapter 11. We're going to look at those who are happy. Verses 19 through 23. All right, and it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, we'll talk about him in a minute, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the words of no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, those are Gentiles, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Well, that's good. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent, who'd they send? Barnabas to Antioch. What did Barnabas do when he got here? When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord and steadfast in purpose. Okay? Okay? They send the son of encouragement, all right? Who else would you send, right? A little backstory on on Stephen. Uh, Stephen was the first Christian who was murdered. We called him a martyr. Uh, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, lots of signs and wonders, just just killing it all over the place. Uh, The religious people found out about it. They brought him in front of the high council. He commenced to preaching, Okay, and it wasn't a love and uh, good news message for them. It was, uh, listen, guys, you, you and your daddy, you're all stiff-necked murderers. I was a little, I, you know, that would be a tough sermon title there. Uh, and so what do they do? They drag him out and they kill him, okay, and then pers- per- stone him. And then pers- persecution breaks out the church in Jerusalem, and a wonderful thing happens. Christians just scatter to the north. All right? And they take the gospel with him. One of the places they go is Antioch. And what does it say? What does they say when, when they got there? Man, they just started telling, they got to Antioch, which is about 300 miles to the north, and they just start telling people about Jesus. And then the church, the church in Jerusalem to the south hears about it, and they're like, we've got to send Barnabas. We've got to send Barnabas to figure out what, what's going on, because they're baptizing like 50 people every Sunday. It is just blowing up up there. And so Barnabas goes and And what does he do? The first thing he sees, man, these people are happy. They're celebrating. There's people coming out of the baptistry. They're raising their hands. They're getting excited. And so Barnabas comes along these people who are happy 
They've just given their life to Christ. They've just experienced a miracle. And Barnabas is like, man, this is great, guys. I love you. I want, I want to exhort you to hang in there, okay? Jesus Christ is never going to leave you or forsake you. He loves you. I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ now. This is the best thing that could ever happen. Barnabas had eyes for those who were happy. He was rejoicing with those who were rejoicing. I wonder if we would do that as a church. Let me give you something specific that we could do. You see somebody come out of that baptistry right there. They've given their life to Christ. They come before their church and said, I want to be baptized. Man, guys, they, they ought to get just some handwritten cards or something saying, man, I am so proud of you for your decision. I love you. I want to come beside you and just encourage you in this moment. Wouldn't that be exciting? We need some people to do that. We need some people to do that. Get excited when, when people come from death to life in Jesus Christ. And then let that person know. Okay? Second person that Barnabas finds. We need to find people who are helping who are helping the cause of Jesus Christ and come alongside of them. All right, let's go to another encounter that Barnabas has with a guy you may know. His name is Saul, or you may know him as Paul. Uh, we're in Acts 9, 26 through 27. All right, just 26 through 27. And when he, he, when he had come, this is Paul or Saul, to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. That went bad. All right? And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. All right? But Barnabas. Two words right there. That's intentionality right there. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. There's, there's three things that, 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 uh, that Barnabas is going to talk to the disciples about. He says, listen, he saw Jesus. Not only did he see him, he spoke to him. Listen to me, Peter. I know what I'm talking about. All right? And then he says, in Damascus, he had preached boldly the name of Jesus Christ. So Barnabas is like, guys, just, just a little backstory on, on Saul, too. A lot of backstories here. All right. The last time the disciples saw Saul, he was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. He was not on the good team. The last time that the disciples saw Saul, he had documents in his hand from the high priest that said, any Christian you see, you drag them to jail and we'll lock them up. Acts records that the last time the disciples saw Saul, he was breathing murderous threats. Okay? Not a good guy, and he's standing there in their living room. And everybody's looking at Barnabas like, uh, why is he here? But Barnabas saw something that nobody else saw because Barnabas was looking for those who are helping. Right? So he tells me, he encourages me, man, take this guy. He, he is legitimate. He is killing it in Damascus. Guys, let's look at, uh, at verses 28 and 31. 28. Let's see what happens because Barnabas stepped up. Just FYI, too, if Barnabas hadn't done this, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament 
Maybe it wouldn't have worked out. Maybe, Bar- maybe Paul would have just given up. Well, I can't get in at Jerusalem. What do I do? They won't accept me. What do I do? All right? This is Paul. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem. What's he doing? Preaching boldly in Jerusalem in the name of the Lord. Right? All because of Barnabas, what Barnabas did. All right? In the 31? We have that? Yeah. So the church, listen to this, this is awesome. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It multiplied. It's a, there's a chain reaction when we choose for our minute, to make our ministry our words because it affects other people. This is a chain reaction that happened. All right? The last person that we'll see that Barnabas saw. And there's a, guys, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people just in this church that are hurting. And we need, we need to have eyes to see that. Let's see what Barnabas did. We're in Acts 11, 27 through 30. Now in these days, a prophet came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. By the way, guys, a famine is like nobody's got anything to eat. Like crop failure, starving to death, bad times. So the disciples in Antioch determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. This is the planted church in Antioch giving back to the mother church in Jerusalem. It's a, it's a wonderful picture. And so they did, sending it to the elders by the hand of who? Barnabas and Saul. Guys, you want to be used by God? Be an encourager. You know who they looked to, man, the disciples looked to? Every time they needed somebody, they went to their man Barnabas because they knew that they could trust him and that he was an encourager. So more than likely, they gathered up money and food and supplies, and this was over a period of time, and they sent Paul, they sent uh, Barnabas and Saul with this. They trusted them. And guys, it doesn't say this, but I guarantee you, just because of what we know about Barnabas, when he got down there, he's like, here it is. But it didn't stop there. He said, guys, I, I love you. I'm, I'm just, I'm adding a little bit here. I love you. I want you to have this. I want you to know the people in, in Antioch, they love you and they're praying for you. And here is a gift from them. Stay strong in the Lord. You know, he was such a good encourager. Guys, what if we decided today we were going to make our words our ministry and we begin to look for people who are happy coming out of that baptistry, who are helping do you have a connection group teacher that, man, it's just every Sunday, faithfully, spending all week preparing? T- tell them. Man, tell them. Man, I appreciate you doing this. Okay? 
our ministers, the, the full-time guys. Man, sometimes that is the, like the most unappreciated, unnoticed position that there is sometimes. Man, tell them you love them. You appreciate their ministry. Guys, if you've been blessed by the ministry of somebody else, bless them with the ministry of your words. And see what, and see what God does. I had somebody, try, I, he's not here, so I'll just use his name, Trey Robertson. He came to me one day after a, I, I taught a connection group lesson. And he said, man, I just want to affirm your calling to teach and to preach. Because the Holy Spirit is ministering to me through your words. And man, guys, I floated out of there. That was, that was so sweet to me. Let's make our words our ministry. Okay? Let's see what the key, and we want to do this like Barnabas. So there's like a secret sauce here, like I, I want it. Because Barnabas was a pro. Let's see the key to what Barnabas, his Barnabas' encouragement. Acts eleven twenty four. This is a description of our man Barney. For he was a good man, moral man. But here's the key. Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Okay? Let me explain what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, in a nutshell, your, te- your life is tethered to Jesus Christ. Your life is tethered to Jesus Christ. That means when you get up in the morning, I'm just going to spend some time talking to him. I just want to talk to Jesus in the morning. We call that prayer. You're not filled with the Spirit unless you're spending time talking to Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Another thing is, Jesus wants to talk to you. And he does that mainly through you reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. You're not filled if you're not talking to Jesus and he's not talking to you. You want to be filled with the Spirit? We've got to keep short, short, guys, short accounts of where we failed, where we've sinned. Because you know what I want to forget? The bad things that I have done. So I want to get to the end of the day and I miss a day and it goes on to the next day and man, the the intensity of my sin is just kind of, it's really not that bad. I'm not, I think it's that bad. Man, short accounts of your sin. Confession and repentance. Repentance means turning from those sins. Okay? The next thing, and this is what we miss out on, we talk to God, we hear from God, we deal with our sin, and then we just obey. And we're going to get a message from the Lord. We've got to obey what we hear. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Your words become your ministry when you're full of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. That's the way Barnabas did it. That's the only way that we can do it. Let me tell you what happens, and this is tragic, when we choose to be encouragers without being full of the Holy Spirit. We don't have eyes to see. 
we don't see people who are happy, people who are helping, people who are hurting. We just, we just don't have eyes for it. You're full of the Holy Spirit, and man, these people will just, they'll come to you, you come to them, and it's just like, man, I, I never noticed before. How about this? You want to encourage outside in your own strength, kind of white-knuckle some encouragement. And I know there's some type A people out here that are already committed. They're like, New Year's resolution, I want to be an encourager. Right? Well, just hold on. You've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, here's what. You'll always look to be repaid about your encouragement. You're like, send a casserole, a little handwritten note to her, spend 24 hours. I ain't got a thank you letter yet. I ain't doing this. Ridiculous. Let somebody else encourage. Right? We'll always look, you know, it'll always be about us, really, kind of behind the scenes. How about this? We'll lack wisdom. Guys, I have seen encouragement go so wrong. When somebody was overzealous about encouraging, somebody, usually when somebody was hurting or they got some bad news, you know, when somebody gets some bad news, maybe it's a medical thing, you know, they've got cancer. They may not need your favorite memory verse right off the bat, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. They may, meet, they may just need to know, I'm just going to be here for you, and I'm going to love on you, and I'm going to bring you something that has a lot of calories in it, and we'll just eat it together. Hold off for the memory verses till, like, you know, the Holy Spirit leads you. You know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Well, that might be helpful, but maybe not. Right? Here's another thing. You want to you you want to white knuckle your encouragement. You want to do it in your own strength. You'll never encourage people that are different than you. Okay? Your encouragement will always so I'm white, male, 40 years old, got kids. I, I want to encourage in my own strength. I, the people I encourage will look just like me. They'll be in my connection group, maybe select few in the connection group. Uh, it for sure won't be anybody that I have ever had a problem with. You know? Same skin color, same, same life stage, same socioeconomic level. But you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's not anybody out there that God's not going to call you to encourage. Black, white, poor, rich, somebody you've had an altercation with, amen? The Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. All right, and the last one, most important, important, and Barnabas had this, staying power. You want to encourage in in your own strength? You're not going to have staying power because the first time it goes bad, the first time you don't get that thank you card, the first time somebody blows up on you because they're hurting and they don't know how to process it, you're going to be like, I'm out. You know, I tried this encouraging thing, but it's just not really my gift. The Holy Spirit gives you staying power, right? Those people that we love who are in a season of pain and suffering. And we'll be with them until they come out on the other side. And they'll love us for it. And they'll praise Jesus Christ for it.
I'm going to slap the pulpit, guys. We need to be a church that makes our words our ministry. Okay? Because we need to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's be full of the Holy Spirit. Let's do our business with Jesus. Stay tethered to him. And he will show us the people who are happy, the people who are helping, and the people who are hurting. And it will start a chain reaction in this church that we, we could never even think about. Make your ministry your words. We can do it. Let's pray. Um, you may be here today and, uh, and you've never been an encourager. And you need to put your finger on why that is. Right now, today, and put your finger on why encouragement is so hard. It may be that you don't have the Holy Spirit because you're not saved. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. Give your life to Jesus Christ and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then you will be able to make your words your ministry. Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, love you, has not been saved by placing their faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of their sins, that you'd break their heart, they would give their life to you today. And Father, for those of us that do have the Holy Spirit, May we be filled because our church depends on it. Fill us all, Father. May we do what is required to be filled. And in turn, we go ahead and thank you for how you're going to bless us because our words can be our ministry. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. We're going to do an invitation time now.